Hello and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. The podcast channel is Sacred Space Healing. My name is Amber. I'm a Reiki master teacher, shamanic practitioner, and uh, energy coach and healer. These podcasts have been going for over a decade, and I've been a healer since 2007. These podcasts are here to assist you on your journey of gnosis, enlightenment, spirituality, and healing. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. Do check it out for the work that I offer um, as a healer that is still working very actively in the field. Uh, there is the core wound work, the life purpose work, sacred union, sessions, abundance sessions and much more. Thank you to everyone that listens in and all your glorious messages of support and also for your donations. If you wish to support the podcast channel, head over to the website sacredspacehealing.org. There's a drop down menu on the homepage and you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to at this time. And all that you donate goes back into creating more free content. Thank you for your feedback and your reviews. Also, if you would like to donate to appreciate, you can either do that financially or you can leave a review on the iTunes page um, or you can share the links on social media. It all helps and it's all good to kind of give something back to say thank you. I'm not affiliated to any organisation, so I'm not pushing any kind of agenda. These podcasts are here to assist you. The website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. So today I'd like to shine a light on the individual that feels like they don't fit in. I work with some glorious, glorious human beings, some beautiful souls, and one of the things that tends to unite most of them when they come to me, whether it's for the core wound work or the life purpose work or just a one-off session, is this feeling that they don't fit in that somehow they're not like everyone else. They don't fit into society, they're different, they see things differently. And that this, um, this experience has been theirs for a really long time. You know, it's been there since childhood. They didn't really fit in. And the playground, maybe they didn't really fit in with family members. You know, it was, it was always like they were the outsider a little bit. And this sense of being the outsider has been a double-edged sword. It means that they view things differently, They've often taken an alternative path in their lives in terms of the direction that they've gone in or the work that they do. Maybe they're artists or healers or, um, you know, they're, they're doing work that is of service in some way. Or they have this desire to do that. But that um, the double-edged sword is that, you know, the other side of that is this feeling of loneliness and why can't I fit in and how can I find my tribe and what's wrong with me and do I have to change who I am? Do I have to be more like this? Is it because of this? Do I have wounds to heal? And so on. And so my feelings around that is that it's a wonderful thing to feel like you don't fit in. You know, many people have said that you don't want to be part of any club that would have you as a member. You don't want to be part, surely, of the herd. Surely you want to be part of um, something else, something different. Surely you want to be celebrating your individuality. I think we're moving into, we're being forced into um, great homogeny, you know, great sort of blandness where everyone has to look the same and dress the same and listen to the same music and watch the same shows. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's dangerous. I know I remember a time watching TV as a kid and all these different faces would be on your screen you know and they would be people with dodgy teeth and um, 
you know, people with dodgy skin and people with lots of different, you know, people that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you're on my TV screen, right, these days. Just people, normal human beings. Now look at your TV screens and your film screens. Everyone looks the same. You know, there's no wrinkle in sight. Everyone has their bleached perfect teeth and their perfect skin and their perfect hair and their perfect bodies, and it's nonsense. Because if you walk down the street, you see that everyone comes in all different shapes and sizes, and nothing is imperfect. And I say dodgy um, with a glint in my eye because it's not with judgment. It's just everyone's different. There's nothing wrong with having a wonky tooth. There's nothing wrong with having um, uh, spots or scars. or There's nothing wrong with having cellulite and so on. And yet we've moved into a place where everyone has to look the same. Nose shapes have to be the same. Um, eyebrow, uh, eye, uh, forehead width has to be the same. Eyebrows have to be the same. There was a trend when I was growing up to not have eyebrows. You know, girls used to shave them off and then pencil them in and they'd be really, really thin. And now everyone needs to have like a massive, thick, bushy eyebrow and people are tattooing their eyebrows on. I mean, it's all nonsense, really. Why don't we just celebrate who we are and find the beauty and the joy in that? So we're moving to this place where everyone has to look the same. And we're also moving to a place where everyone has to think the same. So if you don't agree with certain things, uh, you know, you get labelled and branded this, that and the other and shouted down on social media and your opinions are wrong. Now, there are some opinions out there that are frankly vile and are wrong. However, part of being an individual is acknowledging your individuality and what makes you different to the next person. And the beauty of that is that when we come together in community, we come together in community as individuals. We don't surrender who we are to the group consensus. We remain who we are and find a way for that community to work with all those varying personalities and beliefs. I think I shared a story in a podcast a while ago. Many, many years ago, I was doing my shamanic training. And we were working on uh, on the land. We were in woodland. And um, it was my second time going around the medicine wheel. So it was a whole new group of people that I was working with. And I'd already gone around the wheel once. So I felt I was a bit of a pro, you know. Sort of, I was revisiting rather than approaching for the first time, although it's always the first time. And there was a rather tricky member in Circle. He was very, um, very, very alpha male. And he came from a lot of money. So the rest of us popped up to Woodland with our pop-up tents that we'd got for, you know, 9.99 down the local shop or got on eBay. And he had a yurt. <laughs> he had a yurt with, um, you know, with a log fire and he had sheepskins and blankets and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of gubbins that he turned up with because this wasn't his everyday job. You know, he wasn't working as a self-employed healer. He had a job in the city and then he came and played out his fantasies in the woods every now and then. Um, and we, you know, we'd all covetously look at his sheepskin rugs and his and blankets and shivering in the middle of the night because we'd only brought one blanket with us because we were coming up on the train and he was in his Range Rover or whatever, you know, hoping that he might say, oh, would you like a blanket? I remember once asking him for a blanket and the whole weekend went by and I didn't get one. Um, you know, he was quite a dodgy, not dodgy, he was quite a trick, tricky, tricky individual. And he liked to be in control. He had this alpha male thing. He liked to be in control, especially around women. So I was on a four-day workshop 
um, around, I think it was soul retrieval, possibly. It could have been spirit extraction. I can't quite remember. And I'm chilling out in the hammock. We did have a hammock there with some of my you know, colleagues from this workshop who I'd worked with before, and it's, it's a lovely vibe. And him and some of the newbies are have decided that they're going to run around and throw mud on each other because this is his way of expressing his primal desire to want to be a shaman. He thinks he has to get naked and roll around in mud. So we're like watching them going, well, that's interesting, but that's not for me. You know, there's no showers here. We're in the middle of the woods. I don't fancy getting caked in mud. So these guys are doing this for a couple of hours, really. And then we get ready to go into ceremony. And um, as we're going into ceremony, you know, everyone gets ready and dressed for ceremony. And we're going to be walking to the place where ceremony will take place. And this guy turns to me and um, they've all put mud on their faces and drawn symbols on themselves. And he says, you don't have anything on your face. And I said, yes, I don't want to. I don't want to have mud on my face, thank you. And he said, but, but we've all done it. Why haven't you done it? And I said, well, I don't need to put mud on my face to feel like I'm connected to the land or I'm connected to shamanism. I have my connection to the work and I have my connection to the land. I don't want to do it. And um, he kept asking me again and again and it turned into a thing. He refused to walk down to the, um, the site for the ritual, the ceremony, until I'd put mud on my face. And I looked at my teacher, who was just laughing, to see how I would. Um, and he said, just humor him, you know, say you'll do it, which, again, I resented. It was this very sort of patriarchal way of making the little woman do what she was told. And I remember very clearly saying to him, I don't need to put dirt on my face to feel connected to God's spirit universe or shamanism or myself. And he said, you may not need to do it, but it makes us feel more comfortable if you would. And so in that moment, I was being asked to completely abandon my principles, what made me unique, what made me different, what was my power in order to appease the collective that felt uncomfortable because in their midst was someone different. Um, in the end, I blagged it. You know, someone came up to me and said, oh, uh, one of the women said, I'll, I'll put something on you. And I said, OK. And she did something on my forehead. And then as we walked to the, the site to do the ritual, I washed it off. You know, I wiped it off my face. I wiped it off my face quite forcefully. And I was really incensed that in order for him to feel more comfortable and for everyone else who had just followed the herd and rolled around in mud, whether it was their resonance or not, they just did it because everyone else was doing it. In order for them to feel comfortable, I had to change myself. And I fundamentally do not believe that if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're the outsider, whether it's in a social group, in an office environment, in any other environment, in a family, in this community, in our world, that the, the, the onus lies on you to change who you are. The onus lies on every individual to celebrate who they are. Now, if this guy, to use the same example, was celebrating his individuality by rolling around in mud and smearing stuff on his face, wonderful. But because it came from such a pointed place that he had to have other people join in, he had to have everyone doing what he was doing, it seemed to me that it wasn't coming from a place of celebrating his individuality. Because when you celebrate your individuality, you don't need everyone else to do what you're doing, right? Because it's a celebration of your individuality. When you start getting everyone else to do what you're doing, it becomes a form of fascism. It becomes a form of dictatorship. It becomes an imposition. It becomes an abuse. So I wasn't saying to everyone, uh, don't roll around in mud and put stuff on your face. 
I was just celebrating who I was, and I have every right to do that, just as you do. So what I say to people who feel that they don't fit in, that they're not part of the group, that they're not part of the club, is that this is to be celebrated. Celebrate seeing things differently. Celebrate that you have a different way of being in the world. Celebrate that you want to hug trees or you like to walk barefoot or you like to eat certain foods. Celebrate that. And as long as you don't expect other people to join you, to applaud you, to revere you, as long as there is an acceptance and a respect, that's enough. What we're seeing at the moment is a complete lack of celebration of individuality. We've, we've taken this to dizzying, worrying, terrifying uh, lengths, where if you're different, if you dare to speak up, if you dare to have a differing opinion, you're annihilated. You're to be quarantined. You're to be encamped. You're to be punished in some way, metaphorically, physically, spiritually, emotionally. This is a dangerous place for us to get to. Our individuality is important. You know, it is individuality that created great works of art. It's individuality that created great works of fiction. Virginia Woolf had her way of viewing the world and her way of writing that was completely different to, say, a playwright like Edward Albee or a playwright like Sam Shepard. Pablo Neruda had his way of creating poetry and expressing his experience of the world, which is completely different to Yeats or Keats or any of the other great poets that we may um, admire or not admire, that we may or may not have read. Why are we expecting everyone to be the same and create the same and do the same and be uh, of the same vibration? And, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that in our creativity. We're seeing that in the, the kind of plethora of dirge-like musicals that are out there at the moment that all have that same kind of resonance. All music seems to have a very similar resonance to it now, a very similar beat. There's no individuality. We're seeing that in works of art. We're seeing that in the spoken word scene. I remember the spoken word and poetry scene. I mean, poetry is so personal. It's so personal and it has to be. And what we've seen now is a kind of homogenization of it where everyone wants to be like a rap artist. Everyone's trying to be really street. You know, you get really posh girls and they, they're sitting there in the audience and they're, they're, they've got their designer clothes on and they've got their, their manicured nails and their newly coiffed hair and you know that they come from money and wealth, and you know that they've had a good upbringing. And then you put them on the stage, and they're all like doing it like this, trying to be like really street. And you just think, this is nonsense. We're trying to be something that we're not, because we think we will fit in and we will be accepted. Just be you and celebrate who you are. Be the one that's the odd one out. It's okay to be that. I say that from experience. I say that from being the person that normally says the stuff that no one else, um, that people are too scared to say. <laughs> I'm normally the truth speaker. I'm normally the one that people are like, oh, why did Amber do that? And that's fine. And I've gotten really used to it being fine. And I've never really wanted to fit in because I've looked at the people around me and thought, well, that's not really for me. Just like I looked at those people rolling around in the mud and I thought, yeah, that's just not for me. Like it really doesn't call to me on any level. I'm not excited by that at all. But good luck to you. So celebrate your individuality. Celebrate that you don't fit in. Um, and celebrate others that you see 
having a similar experience. You know, sometimes we can see that someone is is that outsider. You know, they're being excluded or they're finding it hard to fit in. And we kind of, mm, we allow them to suffer. Like we allow them to be in the loneliness of that. And it doesn't have to be. You know, it just takes one kind word or one smile or one inclusion for everything to dissipate for that individual and for them to have a very different experience. We need to be individuals. We need our free thinkers. We need our revolutionaries. We need our poets and our artists and those that don't toe the line because that that's what make life that's what makes life rich. It's not about equal measure of everything. You don't cook a meal and put in a teaspoon of salt and a teaspoon of pepper and a teaspoon of a spice. It has to be something that complements the flavors of what you're cooking. And so you might put in a pinch of salt and you might put in a teaspoon of pepper and you might put in a pinch of something else. And that's how we create a beautiful meal. We don't create a beautiful meal by everything needing to be the same. That creates bland. That's a homogenous, bland microwave meal. And if we don't want to move towards a place where we are just homogenous robots, we need to be celebrating our individuality. And that is a personal responsibility as well as a collective one. Meaning, celebrate the fact that you don't fit in and stop trying to fit in, right? But also, support those that you see around you that maybe are struggling also with those issues. Celebrate the fact that they don't fit in, that they don't want to be part of the group, that they have an individuality. In the example that I give of the mud rolling people, you know, I wasn't denigrating what they were doing. I was celebrating it. I was saying that looks great, but it's not for me. And that's how we maintain our individuality, our integrity. That's how we maintain who we are. And often we're fearful of doing that because we're fearful that we'll be rejected by our community, that we will be rejected and we will be on the outside looking in. But you know what? The role of the seer, the role of the shaman, the role of the poet, the role of the artist, the role of the revolutionary is always to be on the outside looking in. When you're in it, you can't see it and you get swept up in it and you lose your integrity. You lose your individuality because you have to hand it over to the collective. And there are times when it is important to do that, when it's important for a community to come together in shamanism, like in ceremony. But you don't do that and lose your individuality. I've been in drumming circles where when you're starting out and you're drumming and you're singing, everyone's doing their own thing and it's chaos. It's just noise. And, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of ego and loads of stuff going on. It's nonsense. Um, but it's, it's good. It's a purging. And then as you keep drumming and keep singing and keep drumming and keep singing, eventually the group comes together, the circle comes together, and you find a cohesion. But what you find is that even within that cohesion is an individuality. So there will be someone who will be singing, there will be someone who will be dancing, there might be two people who are mirroring each other, um, and there will be a harmony. And the harmony comes out of individuality. You know, orchestras don't all play the same tune at the same time in the same way. There is a harmony. Everyone does their own thing. Everyone has their individuality. And together that creates something beautiful. So just because you feel that you don't fit into the group 
that does all the or you don't fit in to a certain club or a certain society doesn't mean that there won't be a place there won't be an orchestra there won't be a community where your individuality will be um respected and wanted it's just finding the right space for you um and I have found those circles and those spaces. And when I didn't find them, I created them. And sometimes when you can't find them, you have to create them. So celebrate your individuality. Celebrate not fitting in. Feeling like you don't fit in. Um, and help others celebrate that also. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much joy, love, peace and abundance. Until the next time.